0: Alright, Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, if you can turn there, and uh, I, I, we were in Ephesians 2 the first week of this series, have you, how many of you guys have been here for at least one of the weeks so far, these last two weeks, you've been for one of these, well I know some of you guys were, so you, you've been here for one of the weeks of this series, okay cool, um, and this is what, I really, Ephesians is like one of my favorite books in the Bible, I know you're not supposed to choose favorites in the Bible, but I'm an imperfect person, so um, Ephesians is one of my favorites, and uh, we were in Ephesians 2 the very first week, and in fact, this verse in Ephesians 2, we talked about a lot in this church, and the idea is that, that God is putting us together, um, In the message translation it says brick by brick, uh, another translation says stone by stone, or, or putting the stones together to build a house with Christ as the cornerstone, right, build a house uh, that, that houses the presence of God, where the, the, the Spirit of God dwells and lives. And so the first thing we talked about in this series called Contrast is that the first distinguishing characteristic of the church and really the priority is that we would be people that when other people show up in our gatherings and when we're together, they should encounter God. Now, that happens and looks a bunch of different ways. It doesn't just mean one particular style of thing, but it does mean that when people gather on it. So we're not just gathering on a Sunday to get something for me. We're gathering on a Sunday so that we might come together and people in the the gathering of his saints, uh, people would encounter the living God. And I think that's important. I think that matters. Listen, the world is good at getting together. That's not an issue. The world is good at getting together and hanging out. That's not a problem. The challenge we have is when we get together as believers, there should be something different. There should be something different about us. If we're being put brick by brick together based upon the cornerstone of Christ, then there should be something that people recognize about us that causes them to think something different about us. And it's not us. It's Him. There should be that distinguishing characteristic that people would encounter God. And then last week we talked about the very first part of Ephesians 4. And we're going to be in Ephesians 4 again today. Ephesians 4, we talked about uh, verses 1 through really kind of 5 and 6. And we talked about this word unity. We talked about an uncommon unity. I believe the church should be a place where people are together in one place. That's Acts 2. Okay, Acts 2 says that the disciples were together in one place. Not just meaning that they were in one place, but that they were together in one place. It's a redundant phrase if you say it, the disciples were in, together in one place. But he's actually saying two different things. They were united and they were in one place. It matters that we're in unity, both in proximity, right, but also in spirit. That we are united in spirit. So Ephesians 4 talks about make every effort. Everybody say every. So you know that one effort that you haven't made yet? Make every effort to dwell in unity of the spirit. That the spirit of God should be the thing we claim as the, the driving force behind our unity. So it isn't what we look like, it isn't the style of music we like, it isn't where we come from, it isn't where we struggle. It is the Spirit of God that unites us and causes us to live in unity. So we talked last week how we do, we do me really good, but we don't do us very good. And, and, and usually the thing that causes our faith to stumble is rarely a, a just our own stuff. It's usually some stuff that we have between us and other people. And there's something about the being together in unity. And so there should be an unnatural unity in the church. There should be an uncanny effort to be in unity in the church so that we don't let little things get in the way. We don't allow small things to keep us divided. We actually fight through those things and make the effort to push through those things. We don't unfriend each other, right? We stay united. is that good? Rhonda thinks it's good. If Rhonda thinks it's good, it's good. So today I just want to talk through a couple things. Ephesians four. We're going to cover like sixteen verses today. So I'm not going to give you as many funny stories. We're just going to talk the Bible. Is that okay with you? Yeah. All right. All right. So oh, some of you guys said that so loudly that I'm worried you don't like my stories. But. Ephesians 4, and what I want to do is kind of go back, especially for those of us who weren't here last week. I want to go back, and if you don't know where Ephesians is in, it's good. It's kind of towards the back of the Bible, definitely in the New Testament. Uh, it's one of those small ones that even I, knowing where it is, still miss like three times before I actually get to it. And uh, so Ephesians chapter 4, and I really want to read starting in verse 1. I know we covered this last week, but I really want to just give some basis for what we're going to be talking about today. Because we, the, the contrast in our community should be first... Uh, That we have encounter God. Second, uh, that we have an uncommon unity. And third, well, I'm going to tell you in just a minute. So Ephesians chapter 4, we'll start in verse 1. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, this is Paul writing, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Because you have one. It's important. I think the church should be really good at leading a life. I really do. I think that, that we kind of we read we just run past those verses. I, I think it's the church, people who call Jesus Lord who say he's Savior should be able to say that I'm leading a life. That doesn't mean things don't get difficult. That doesn't mean we don't have seasons of difficulty and trial. It just means that we should be people leading and making every effort to leading a life worthy of the calling God's put on our life because we do have a calling. For you have been called by God. There you go, see? Verse 2, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Why is he hammering that? Because he had to write a letter to the Corinthian church saying, listen, it doesn't matter if Paul baptized you or Apollos baptized you. This is still God's church. You are not, it's not the church of Paul and it's not the church of Apollos. We simply planted a seed and watered it. God made it grow. And so the reason he's kind of preemptively talking to the Ephesian church about this is because he wants to make sure you understand. It ain't about Paul. It ain't about me. It's about Jesus. Okay, and so he's making a real effort to make sure, hey, it's one baptism. It's one faith. It is one God. It is one thing. Okay, now I do, well, let's, let's, let's keep reading. However, everybody say however. Okay, so he just set us up, right? He says you're called, you are called. First, corporately, secondly, individually, you are called. You do have a calling. And then he kind of takes four or five sentences To say something that seems to not really fit with that first sentence. Usually that first sentence kind of tells you what he's going to talk about the rest of the way. But he kind of goes a different direction. He says, you're called. And then he starts talking about how you should do life together. Make every effort. Be humble. Be patient. Forget each other's faults. Make allowances for one another. Realize this is one thing. This This is one God. It just seems like it doesn't quite fit with the first sentence. And then he says, "However," so he's telling you, "Man, you be, this is one thing, one God, one Father. This is be unified, be together on this thing. Don't get all separated. This is one thing." He's telling you all these things, right? And then he says this word, "However." Because I think sometimes when we hear these words like be united and it's about us and not me and, and, and make every effort to dwell in unity and make allowances for one another and be humble and be patient, we can tend to begin to think that somehow, someway, that means that we, me, I am not actually important, that it's more about us, and then we actually begin to withdraw because my calling is not as important as their calling and our calling. And we get kind of mixed up and begin to think that there's nothing individual about me. And so he goes through this whole idea of unity and oneness and being together, and it's about us and not just me, and, it's, and he's hammering this thing home, and then he says this, However, he has given each one of us a special gift. Now, this word special doesn't just mean like, wow, well, Johnny, you are special. It means unique. It means diverse. It means actually, in fact, if you read the J.B. Phillips translation, somebody like, who is J.B. Phillips? He is the original message translation, okay? It, it, it's, it's kind of a contemporary way of saying things. And he says it like this: He says, out, he gives different gifts out of the diversity of his grace. Different gifts out of the diversity of God. This is what is really important for us to understand. That God is a diverse God. That he is not asking us when we give our life to Jesus to all act the same, talk the same, dress the same, and do the same. In fact, one of the most, most um, distracting or most detrimental things to your calling is beginning to try and act like someone else. You, you come into church, and maybe you're new to the faith, and you've just decided to follow Jesus. And so there's this, this temptation to go, well, I need to look like the guy who's up there preaching every Sunday, or the person leading worship, or that guy that seems to have all the feet. I need to be that person. I need to do that thing. And, and God's going, no, 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 that's not really my intention. My intention is that that person does their thing, and you do your thing. That there is a diversity, that the, the church should be the most diverse place on the planet. And so there's this effort for us to understand that while we are unified, we are still diverse. In fact, diversity is what gives unity its strength. It is not impressive when I see people that look the same, talk the same, act the same, drive the same car, live in the same neighborhood, hanging out. That just happens. That ain't impressive. What's impressive is when people who live on that side of town and live on that side of town and have that gifting and have that gifting and have been from that place and were from that place and have that background and that background and struggle in this area and struggle in that area and they're all hanging around and they're all loving each other and serving together because that is what the church should look like. You've been given something special, unique to you that is your gift for the church. And so diversity is actually what gives unity its strength and actually makes it valid. Unity is about a bunch of people getting together, regardless of where they came from, to move forward to where God's called them. And so here he is going, Paul, going, hey... God's, actually, I know we just talked about oneness and oneness and oneness and oneness and and unity and unity and unity and be humble and be patient and make allowances. I get all that. I'm telling you all that. But I need you to understand something. That doesn't mean you don't have something important and special and unique and different to offer the body of Christ. It's really important. However, you have a special gift to give. I do think it's interesting that he does... Say you're called and then talks about doing relationship and being unified and then tells you you have a unique gifting. I do find that interesting. That before he gets on to your special gift, he makes sure you understand that there is a community and that there is a unity that you are to be part of. I think it's really clear through scripture, and again, this is the contrast, that we would be people who use our gifting but make sure it filters through community. In fact, what what does Jesus do when he calls his disciples? He calls them to himself, follow me. And then he says, I will make you. And then he takes them together. Like he doesn't send one to one side of the lake and one to the other side of the lake and say, I'll deal with you later. I'm coming to you in a minute. No, he actually makes them while they're hanging out in one group. As 12 disciples, they're hanging out in the same place together with Jesus. He's making them, but he's making them in the context of relationship. So so while we tend to focus on follow me and I will be made, there's actually a really key ingredient. And that is that Jesus called two, he said that to two people, not one person. He said, follow me to two people, not one person. He actually called two guys and then he went down the way a little bit and called another two guys. And so for some of us, our biggest issue is we're trying to find our why before we found our people. We, we actually take, if you just think of the way the word's spelled, the Y-O-U-R, we tend to get hung up on the Y of our lives, not realizing that it's connected to the R of our lives, the O-U-R, that there is a, there is a our calling that actually gives the Y meaning. There is an our calling of living in unity and in grace and serving one another and loving one another that we actually discover what our gifting, that your gifting is. So Jesus is so important. Jesus is so—it's so important for him that he understands that he he puts this message in our hearts. In fact, you would see this in Jesus that we would we would be people together, and being together, we would discover us. Now, before I get into that a little bit more, because the rest of Ephesians four talks through this this generosity of Christ. In other translations, you would see the word grace used, right? And this is, again, another important thing to understand. This word grace, sometimes we can hear grace and we think it means forgiveness. Can I tell you something? We already have a word for forgiveness. It's forgiveness. (laughs) When God is speaking of forgiveness, he says forgiveness. When he's speaking of grace, he's speaking of grace. Now, forgiveness is part of grace, but it is not the full picture of grace. Forgiveness would be making all making old things pass away. Grace would be to say, make old things pass away, behold, all things have become new. Grace is not just taking away what was, but actually providing for you what will be. So now you can live in a new life. You can live in a new nature. You can walk with a different perspective. You can have a different courage about you. You can have a fuller heart. You can actually say things to Jesus like, I know it's you walking on water, and if it's you, tell me to come. Because he not just calms the waves, sometimes he gives you the ability to walk on water. That God actually, in his grace, is giving you things that are beyond even your own ability or thought or dream so that you can begin to walk outside of your own strengths. But he wants you to walk in grace. So when I give grace to someone, I'm not just saying, you're forgiven, now leave me. I'm actually saying, you're forgiven, now let's pull in closer and let's do life together. I'm actually making a way for something new. I'm not just releasing someone of what's old. So when he says, I've given you a gift out of my grace. What he's telling you is I've given you a gift for what is to come. I'm giving you a gift so that you can use it in a way that begins to bless people, in a way that begins to actually add calling and dimension and, and meaning and diversity to your life. I, I want you to walk in a way that, that really brings about an, an acknowledgement from everyone around you that, man, they are doing something that goes beyond their own ability. that goes beyond their strength. Okay. So we've gotten through one Verse It's okay. That is why the scriptures say, and I'm just, actually, jump down to verse 11. You don't have to read those. They're great verses. I'm not saying they don't matter. I'm just saying we're going to jump to verse 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Okay, so he told you, however, you have a gift. I've given you a gift. Verse 11, he kind of begins to go back into something else. He says, now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people, to equip God's people. If you have decided to follow Jesus, you are God's people. God wants everybody to be God's people. So that they would equip God's people. And this is, this is, again, gosh, equip God's people to do the, His work and build up the church. And some again, in other translations, you would see the word ministry. They equip God's people to do. The ministry. I think what we would rather have is a bunch of people gifted to make sure the church is doing the ministry so we can have a life. We, we would rather the church program it. We would rather the church set up a thing so that we can attend it and then go back to life. I, I actually think the church's job is not to program a bunch of events that we can feel like we're doing outreach. I think the, the, the church's job is to equip each and every single one of us that we might do the ministry during our everyday life. Right. I, I, can I just say, let me just say it like this. It, we And we do outreach. Like, we do that stuff. And, and and I actually think the word outreach is a bit, it's a bit, like, limiting. I actually think it's a bigger word than just outreach. And I think it's necessary. And we take single moms and, and orphans and we take, like, th- th- we do all that. But let me just say it this way. We can set up an event where 25 or 30 of us in this room show up and attend and do something cool. Or... We can equip everyone in this room to do the work of the ministry and we will affect and impact far more people. And so the purpose of what we do here and the purpose of dinner parties and the purpose of some of our next step stuff and the purpose of those things is that you would be equipped and encouraged and strengthened and empowered and loved and given grace. And you're not going to do it perfect every time and shown stories of people who are stepping out in faith and not doing it perfect, but doing it. And in that, you would begin to go, oh, you know, what? I'm called to do this. I'm called to do that. I can actually step out and do something. You know there's ministry at your workplace. There's ministry on your street. You've given given a unique gift, a special gift that you might be a blessing to the church and to those around you. That's the work of the church. The church should be making disciples and disciples should then be going and reaching the lost. Are you with me? That's a challenging thing. But can I tell you it's a much more rewarding thing. When each and every one of us are functioning in that area, and every one of us are functioning in that understanding that we actually are called to do ministry, and it doesn't have to look like, it can be so simple. It can be sitting with someone, inviting them to lunch once every couple weeks, and just listening until that moment where the Holy Spirit goes, hey, you need to just pray with them. Hey, you need to speak into their life. Hey, you know that verse I showed you two, day, two days ago? That wasn't for you. That's why you kind of looked at it and like, I don't know what this is about. It, it, but this was for them. And you remember it now? Yeah, I'm bringing it back to you because that's what the Holy Spirit does. Bring to remembrance the things that Jesus said. I'm bringing this back to you so you can share this with them so that they can be ministered to because you can actually do the work of the ministry and build the church. Come on. Okay. Equip God's people to do his work. Build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue, all right, until we all... Have come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then he will no long, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, and as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now that's good. See, see Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 12. If you've heard 1 Corinthians 12, you've heard that Paul compares it to the body of Christ. And he goes on for quite a bit, talking about the different parts that each of us play. But he says it like this. He says, there are many parts, but there is one body. Many parts, but there is one body. If I need to make a phone call and my my phone is not with me, this is not what I say. I do not tell Meredith, oh, let me go grab my home button. I don't say, let me go grab the, the glass on my screen. I don't say, let me go grab the case on my phone. I don't say any of that. What do I say? I say, let me go get my... Phone. But what I'm speaking to is all the parts playing their parts so that the phone can do what it was built to do. So when we say we're going to church, we're not going to a place. We're going to a people where all the parts are playing their parts so the church can do what it is called to do. And be a city on a hill. And be a light in the dark. We are called together, diverse in our giftings, but unified in spirit so that the church can actually do what it is called to do. Now, there's a lot of things we could have jumped on here. But one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible is Ephesians 4, verse 16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, and listen to this, as each part does its own special work it helps the other parts grow okay so let me let me just break this down because this is really important as each part does what it is gifted and specially gifted and diversely gifted to do as each part does what it is called to do it allows the other parts to grow So let me say it like this. If you want to grow in your calling and in your gifting and in your future and in your purpose, you know the best thing you can do is not obsess about your gifting or your calling or your future or your purpose. The best thing you can do is make sure someone else is stepping into theirs. Because the sooner they step into their gifting, the sooner I will begin to grow in mine. It is so important for us to understand that the best thing we can do for our own future is to make sure someone else's future is growing. And it is counterintuitive to culture, isn't it? Because culture and Western thought is that we would actually be more individual, that we would actually be more a set apart, that we would use others to build us. But but the Bible actually speaks if we would build others, God will use us. That that in building other people, we actually discover who we are. We actually discover our giftings in the context of serving people. I I remember the story. Some of you guys have heard of this organization called Charity Water. It's become really the the premier uh, um, organization. organization that gives water clean water to different uh third world countries and poor countries and 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 they are building wells all the time this guy uh, sky Harrison raising money like crazy just to, to just and it's amazing what they're doing but he was actually a club promoter in new york city he was in, like really good at it too he was one of the premier club promoters in new york city now let me just tell you something that's that means you're good at something right there's a gifting there. He is good at getting people to one place, getting people in the same place, convincing them this is where they're supposed to be and how they're supposed to be part of it, and how, he's good at that. And one, I don't even remember how he got there, but he decided to go on this thing called mercy ships. As a photographer, he was kind of had a hobby to f- take photos. He's good at that as well. And, you know, some people are just gifted and you don't like them that much, but but the, he's gifted at that. So he begins to go take pictures for this organization. And this 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 organization goes into places and uh and, and does things that, uh, that the country can't do itself. So he like does uh, um, surgeries and different things, and he's taking pictures. Of this, and while he's taking pictures of this, and he went with some other organizations and he's just taking photos. He's, there. he's not there because he's like a good super Christian and like somehow he loves Jesus. No, he, he actually had a revelation of what God wanted to do on the earth as he was taking pictures. And he quit club promoting and he started an organization that, that gives water to people that don't have it. And guess what he's using to do it? His gifting. He's using this gift of gathering people, of pulling people together, of getting people to to believe one thing, to to really buy into something, of casting vision, of, of, of meeting a need. He's using the gifting he has to now build people. How did that happen? Because he went to take some pictures for somebody. He just decided he was going to use his gifting and go and, you know, be a part of something and, and really help out. And in that serving, he actually discovered more of what he was called to do than what he had ever known before. And now the world would have been like, what do you do? Why are you quitting? What are you, what are you doing? You, you just be you, man. Do you. Like, get your thing. Go, on, go for it. But that's the contrast, isn't it? The contrast of the church is that we actually, when we decide to follow Jesus, we actually decide to connect ourselves to people And in connecting ourselves to people, we actually grow. See, some of you need patience. That's why you're sitting next to that person. Some of you need to work on forgiveness. So some people have brought into your life that you can forgive. Some of us need to work on opening ourselves up to people. So you've been brought to a place where everybody knows they got stuff. So you can be a bit more honest. Some of us need to work on our faith. And believing what God has called us to. That's why you're sitting next to the person you're sitting next to. Because we, as the body of Christ, are built together carefully, perfectly, so that when you do what you're called to do, when you do what you're meant to do, you actually allow other people to do what they're called to do. That's a bit of a heavy responsibility, quite frankly. That if I decide I'm not going to step into it, if I decide I'm not qualified enough, I decide God doesn't love me enough, that God doesn't believe the best about me, that God doesn't actually have a purpose for me. If I withdraw myself from that, what I might actually be doing is making it harder and making the road longer for someone else who was waiting for me to lean in even though I'm not perfect, I don't have it all together, and I haven't made all the right decisions in my life. But that's why we're built on the cornerstone of Christ. We're not built on your perfection. We're not built on your perfect past. We're built on the fact that God has a hope and a future for you. We're built on the fact that Jesus came and died and rose again because we all needed it. We're built on the idea that, you know what, the Holy Spirit gives power to those who would surrender their lives to God and actually empowers them to do things that are beyond their ability. Listen, you would have never walked by the 12 disciples and said, yep, they're going to change the world. That would never have come across your mind. These were actually the men least qualified, that's why they were fishing. They didn't get to go to the special university where you got to become a Pharisee and begin to memorize all of the Bible and begin to tell people what they could and could not do. They got to go fishing. And so what does Jesus do? He says, Hey, I want you to follow me. And what do they do? They drop their nets because listen, the old things have passed away. The old, all things have become new. And while I might be fishing, I'm fishing different now. Because my gifting, what I thought it was for, is no longer for that. It's actually for people. I've been given so that I can I've been given to so that I can be a gift to somebody in this earth. Listen, sometimes we think of calling as a thing instead of a person. There might be a person that you are called to that you will unlock. Justin talked about this last week. Barnabas was called to be an encouragement to Paul so that Paul could write what I'm telling you today. So that you would know you're called. Now I just want to read the benefits of this. Okay, The benefits of this are really, really important. Verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do this work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Verse 13, this will continue until we all come to unity. That's a good one. Knowledge of God's Son, that's a a great one. Be fully mature in the Lord. Now, Now, maturity is not just being old, and it's also not just behaving right. Maturity is actually living to the level of your capacity, growing into what you've been called to do. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. How many of you on a weekly basis go, well, I think I believe that. I just heard this week Kyrie Irving thinks thinks the world is flat. I had to go look that up. I might be wavering a little bit. But he plays basketball. Obviously, he knows things. Listen, listen, listen. Here's the thing. But there are things every week, every day of your life, there are things being told to you. There are things being said to you. There are things being said about you. There are things being said about your generation or your city or what neighborhood you come from or what line of work you're in or the things you struggle with. And you, are, you have to be able to be in community in such a way that you understand that does not define me. I'm not getting kicked around by these things anymore. But what does that mean? It means that my, my why is connected to our purpose and so that your footing is firm and strong and healthy so that you would not be pushed around. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies that sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. That's another great benefit. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, there's a good one. Who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Now listen to this. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I don't know if you want that about your life. I just think of you as a person. I want to be healthy, growing, and full of love. Like I, I don't know if you would say that about yourself. I, I know I want my three-year-old to stay healthy, to keep growing, and to be full of love. Right? Anybody, like I, you don't want that for my son? It's kind of messed up. but I want him to be healthy and growing and full of love. My guess is that you want the same thing. Not just for my son, but for you. You want your life to love your life. You want you to love you. You want to make sure that you care about you. You want to make sure that you don't dis- discredit yourself. You, you, don't want to, you want to make sure you're not insecure about things. You want to make sure that you love what God is doing in your world, even though that not everything's perfect. And you want to be healthy. You, 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 you want to breathe right. You want your heart to pump blood through your body. You want to make sure you're healthy. And you want to make sure you're growing Because you don't arrive here perfect. You don't arrive here ready to take on the world. You don't arrive here ready to change everything. You arrive here ready to grow. And in the growing, you every day begin to be able to do more and change more and cause more to happen. Listen, we can get so caught up in all these other things. How much do you know about this? And how much have you learned this? And how much of the Bible have you memorized? Can I tell you something? I don't care how much of the Bible you know. If you still don't know how to unite with others and serve others and love others, none of that other stuff does you any good. Because the first thing Jesus did was came to, be, to serve people so that they might know Jesus. The purpose of our lives, the purpose of our gifting is to be a giver. And it's in that giving, it's in that serving, it's in that loving, it's in that building of others, it's in that encouraging of others, it's in that fighting for one another, it's in that believing in one another that we actually discover more of who we are. Some of you are struggling with the, the why, but worrying about the why. You'll figure out the why. It's important. It really is. It's important. I don't like people wandering around not knowing why. But can I tell you something? The quickest way to discovering it is attaching it to ours. And if you'll attach it to ours, then you will find yours. You will find yours. It is the way Jesus made it to work. So you might be doing something really well, promoting clubs in New York City. You might be doing that so well. You might be awesome at it. And it's not to say you can't keep doing that. That is not the point here. The point is that your gifting is probably for more than just what you can gain in this life. Your gifting is probably for more than just the notoriety you can have. Your gifting might just very well be to start an organization that brings millions and millions of gallons of water to people who've never had it. Raise money and and bring things to... Your gifting might just be bigger than you think it is and more important than you think it is. And it might be the very thing that unlocks that whole road or unlocks that row or unlocks that person or unlocks that guy because you begin to work your own special, diverse gifting has brought unity to the body of Christ. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, it, it does not matter if the eye says it is not an eye. It will still be part of the body and it will still be an eye. You can try all your life to say I'm not an eye, I'm not a finger, I'm not a nose, I'm not a foot. I'm, I'm not, I'm not. It doesn't change who you are. The sooner you can go, you know what? God's fitting me together perfectly. For this very reason, for this very purpose, so I can build up these very people. Many parts, one body, moving together, building the church, reaching the lost, a light in the darkness, a city on a hill. That's who we are. Amen? You're called first to community, first to each other, first to building the church. I don't mean just this, I mean each other. And in that, discovering who you are and how you, together with those around you, can begin to reach the world in a way you would never have done it by yourself. You're gifted, special gift, diverse gift, for purpose, bigger than you would ever imagine. We pray. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you that you are for us, that you are with us. I thank you that you have actually given each and every one of us a diverse gift. You've given each and every one of us a special gift, a unique gift, a purposeful, intentional gift. And it's not even necessarily something we do with our hands. It might be a joy that we carry. It might be a peace we bring with us. God, it might be a discernment that we have. God, it look a lot of different ways. But God, you've given us giftings because you want us to be our brick and not someone else's. You want us to be our brick and be play our part in this wall, play our part in this house, play our part in this home where we can be a dwelling place for God and people would encounter God in the relationships we have, in the things that we do. God, I pray today that people in this place, who might be struggling with their why. Why am I here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do I have this? Why do I do this? Why do I... God, I pray that they would lock in their eyes on our calling as a church. Our calling as a people. Our calling as the body of Christ to reach the world, to serve people, to love people. And in doing that, they would begin to discover their why. That would take them into places they never dreamed, never imagined, Lord, it's built upon Jesus Christ. It is built upon the fact that you have become our cornerstone. You have become our foundation. It is not built upon our gifts. It is not built upon our talents. It is not built upon our charisma. It is not built upon our personality. It is not built upon our struggles and our failures. It's not built upon our, uh, our successes. It's not built upon, Lord, it is built upon Jesus Christ. When we begin to lock into that, when we begin to discover that Jesus, you have paid a price for our sins, for, for our past, for our failures, you have paid a price for the things we have messed up on, those places we have rebelled and stood against you, Lord, we, you have paid a price knowingly or unknowingly for those places that we have decided not to follow you, Lord, you have paid that price you've not just forgiven us, but you've actually given us a grace to live in a new way, to head in a new direction to be empowered for a new life And so, God, I pray that today we would find our gifting, we would find our calling in our community, in this community that's built upon Jesus. Some of us today in this place, our first step, our first step is connecting to Jesus. Our first step is communing with God. Our first step is giving our life to Jesus Christ. So we might reset the way we think, we might reset the way we believe that we might have a new 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 life tired of trying to make it all on our own trying to be the individual trying to do it this way and that way we want to serve and love people and in that discover who we are what we're really made for for some of us today it's it's just committing our life to christ again committing our life to one another again making a step of faith towards a significant decision in our life to, to love people and love them well to love Jesus and love him well to give everything we have to those things and in that discovering more of who we are and living a life fulfilled because we're actually building others up and in building others up we're actually building up ourselves God I thank you that we are giving and in that giving we've been given to God that we are discovering us so that we can discover me God I thank you if you want to man, I just I think there's some people in here who who want to commit their life to Jesus today maybe for the first time or maybe it's been 10 years or 7 years or whatever it is and you're going, you know, I I want to commit my life to Christ I've just i either never done it or I've, I've just I've been away from it for a bit and I just want to really lock into that thing again if that's you this morning, you say, you know, I want to be part of that body I want to be part of that house. I want to be part of that, building up the body of Christ so that we can be a people moving into the earth and bringing heaven to earth, being a people who see Jesus on every street and in every heart, being a part of a people who see every life changed, every life transformed by the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, you say, you know what, I want to step in for the first time. Maybe I want to step in for the first time in a long time, and I want to commit to it, and I want to be faithful to it, and I want to lean into it. If that's you this morning you say that's I, I want to step into that it may take a little courage may take a little boldness would you just right now just raise your hand I want to pray with you raise it high it's hard to see let's you this morning. just real quick would you just raise your hand I believe there's someone in here thank you to see that awesome so good so good Come on, would you give God a clap for that? Come on, someone raising their hand. Let me pray over them and then let me pray over this diverse gifting. Let me pray over this calling as, as, as a church to step into what step into what God's called us to be. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I thank you. God, I pray that it, it's not a special prayer, it's not a special word, it's not a special two-line thing that we, Lord, it is just simply us surrendering our heart to you. God, asking for your grace, asking for your forgiveness, submitting our life to you, going, God, I want to I put my eyes focused upon you. I want to walk this thing out with you. I want to give my life to you. I want to surrender everything to you. I want to walk with you. And God, truthfully, that's where all of us really need to be on a daily basis. Walking in this new mercy, walking in this overflowing life is predicated upon this idea that we would keep our eyes fixed upon you. This love that you have, this grace that you have, this mercy that you have this peace and this strength but I thank you God I pray that we would be people fix our eyes upon you, that we'd be people who fix our eyes upon you, and in doing that we actually find our eyes looking at others, how we can serve them, how we can love them, how that we can come behind them and, and empower them and encourage them in their gifting and in their future and in their purpose and in their special work, so that in that we would begin to build others as well. God, how amazing an influence we would be as a church if we are all committed to the gift and the purpose of everyone around us. God, I pray that we live that way, I pray that we act that way, I pray that we live that way because we're called to be that. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.